switch the mic on we're just trying to test our levels here on ds106 radio hopefully we'll be audible to you soon radio hopefully we'll be listening to you soon uh, rather audible to you soon um, for metaphors and vinyl coming right up in a couple of minutes in the meantime you get to enjoy some really cool new music from Katie Rex and McLeod single bird Maybe the heartbreak is good. 
and welcome to everybody who is joining us here on DS106 Radio. We're really thrilled to bring you a very special show this evening, um, or for you maybe morning or afternoon, all about metaphors and vinyl tunes. So in a moment, we're going to introduce our very special guest today, where I'm thrilled um, to have on air. But for now, um, here is the next tune to get you in the mood for what's hopefully going to be an hour, an hour and a half of a lot of fun. So this is the tune you've all been waiting for. Okay, we hope that you get a sense of what kind of show you are in for here with us on DS106 Radio. Thank you for everyone who has already been joining us um, on the hashtag, hashtag DS106 Radio. Um, and I'm now ready to say hello to my guest this evening, um, best-selling author and professor of edtech, <laughs> by excellence, Martin Weller. Hello. Surprise guest. I know. <laughs> No one saw that coming. No. <laughs> Big reveal. Okay, you are here on the radio, Shameless Self Promotion. That's right, a week of Shameless Self Promotion. Right, tell us about the book, which so, is out now. In case you didn't know, there's a book out called Metaphors of EdTech, which is out now at the Athabas- University Press, 
free to download Creative Commons open license um, and the print version comes out next month there's been a delay with print apparently because all the Americans are rushing over there to print their books because because uh, of the pound against the Canadian dollar so you know blame the Americans but anyway, print version out next month but you can re read it now read it now indeed and as it is a Creative Commons book and full of lots of free goodness um, we thought we would go on the airwaves and share the love for metaphors and vinyl, um, which I hope comes through in the book with you all. And what we're hoping for the next hour or so is to play you some tunes and then we're going to get Martin to tell us firsthand what inspired the metaphors in the book, how the tunes relate um, and hopefully give you some inspiration to take away. Now, before we play the next tune, I just want to um, declare my interest because <laughs> obviously I'm slightly biased and really looking forward to celebrating the release of the book here with you on air. And um, this is not an impartial interview and very romantically the book is dedicated to the good me. So I'm hoping to share a little bit of the joy the book's given me in the months um, that it was written and then polished up um, with you this evening. Okay, so Martin, tell us what the next tune is and then we'll jump right in. Uh, why don't we go for Videotape by Radiohead. Okay, so that's the next tune coming up. And if you want to know more about the metaphors, then please stay on the airwave with us and find out what it relates to in the book. Control on video table, video 
So that was our first tune for our first insight into the book. So Martin, tell us a little bit about what is this song chosen for? I hope to say, first of all, that um, some of the metaphors in the book are quite tenuous and then the link to the songs is even more tenuous often. <laughs> so this one's not too bad. <laughs> so we'd have to go with that. So this is... Um, so the book is split up in different sections and one of the sections is about specific ed text. There are metaphors about particular educational technologies. And this is one of those, which is um, VAR, Video Assisted Refereeing, uh, and Learning Analytics. Uh, and I thought I enjoyed writing this one. I don't know if anyone's enjoyed reading it. But so Video Assisted Refereeing, for those of you who follow football, was introduced in football. And I think it's one of those things where the introduction of technology became sort of inevitable. Everyone was saying, why haven't we got video... Um, in football for referees to help them make decisions and you know everyone else was watching it on tv or on their phones and the only person who didn't have the, the video assistance was the referee and the person making the decision so you had goals that were kind of obviously not over the line ruled out or vice versa or people offside all those kind of things you, you don't have to be into sport to care about that but there were kind of very obvious errors made so i thought i oh, know we'll introduce video assisted refereeing that will fix the problems won't it uh, and anyone who follows football know that it's not really fixed the problems, it's just created a whole new set of problems. And I think one of the interesting things about that is that because we can measure things now kind of really finely, we do. It's like, so you have offside decisions where like, you know, he's offside by a toenail or like you know, that ha that the ball brushed like a hair on the person's arm, therefore it's handball. And really, even though they might be technically correct, that's not really in the spirit of you know, how sport was made to be played, you know, particularly uh, soccer or football, if you want to call it. Um, and I think the kind of analogy is there with learning analytics and education, that they're both kind of very human enterprises, kind of they're messy and complex. And, and just because you can measure something accurately doesn't really mean that that represents the truth or helps you solve the problems you think you're going to solve. And I think also we've seen that it really undermines the the human in the process so the the human referee on the pitch is often undermined by decisions taken elsewhere for the video and i think that might be true for human educators as well thank so that, you that's my pitch around var and uh and learning analytics excellent um i think before we chat a bit more let's have one more tune and one then tune. we'll kind of go and um and have a bit of discussion after a couple of them. So what's the next tune going to be? Should we go for title and registration from Death Cab for QT? Okay, awesome. Well, I love this tune and you're in for a treat. So stay tuned with us um, for more vinyl and metaphors coming right up.
This was Death Cab for Cutie title and registration. Um, tell us, what's the connection to the book? Well, the obvious connection <laughs> is... Uh, there's a se- so um, there's another section about uh, EdTech criticism, so using metaphors to think critically about EdTech. And one of the examples of that is Uber for education. So I thought Death Cab for Cutie, title and registration, you know, about cars, taxis, you know. Yeah, makes complete sense Good, to me. Yeah, I, I can I, see that. We should play a game so people can guess which <laughs> So Uber for education, I think, is the latest example of a strange tendency, I think, we see in EdTech to take whatever the, the newest technology company is everyone's excited about and say, what about that for learning? Or what about that for education? We've had Netflix for education, Airbnb of education, inevitably uber for education and it's always sort of pitched up why don't we take this fantastically successful model and apply it to education and i think what's really interesting about that is people never look at why those things aren't like education so in the book i explain why getting a taxi ride is quite different to getting a three or four year degree you know they're quite different concepts and so applying these models just doesn't work in many ways and also what they very conveniently forget is the usual very horrible labour practices that undermine a lot of these uh, these ed tech com- these technology companies or something, and actually that's probably their biggest innovation. So, do you really want to adopt those things that kind of like force people not to be allowed to unionise and go for a monopoly and then drive out other businesses? So often they're not very good examples to be following anyway. So that's the pitch in the book. I like it. Um, talking about tenuous connections. So mm-hmm. at the start of this session we played the the theme to jaws which mm-hmm. as one of our listeners pointed out rightly brought up a wonderful tweet on the ds106 hashtag which was ds106 radio plays main title and first victim Brilliant. <laughs> which was awesome um but so i know that some of our listeners might have heard you talk about it but what's the connection of jaws to the book yeah and so the cover of the book has a, a take on the jaws the famous jaws poster that's done by uh, Brian Mathers, um, uh, excellent cover, as always from Brian, and we had a good chat about which cover to choose, uh, and I, I love the cover, and Jaws is my favourite film, so um, as Marin can testify, there are Jaws <laughs> posters and paraphernalia all over the house, uh, and so really it was just an excuse to kind of force that onto a book cover, I'm never going to get another chance. Um, 
but it's not a book about sharks or jaws, okay? It only comes up in one section. So I used the jaws uh, analogy, particularly relating to so another section of the book is about um, the COVID-19 pandemic and what we call the online pivot. As I think it's quite a nice metaphor with jaws there, particularly um, at the start of the film, for those who haven't seen it, you know, there's a shark going around eating people, a bad thing. Um, and you could think of that as that's analogous with, with the virus, the COVID-19 virus. Um, and the, the mayor of Amity wants the, the beaches to stay open, you know, much as people wanted universities to stay open. Uh, and I, then I explore what it means maybe we could take the three main characters uh, in Jaws and think of those as different protagonists in the, in the higher education sector as well. So uh, I've got to be honest, this is one of the ones where the metaphor didn't spring immediately. I thought... I want a bloody Jaws metaphor and I'm going to get one. It's my book. <laughs> so I came up with one. But I think it works well. Uh, absolutely. And it's a great cover. So you know, what more do you want? Well, um, it's your book, as you say, <laughs> and it is a good metaphor. So for those of you who are not familiar with Jaws, um, I highly recommend it. We watch it at least <laughs> once a year. And um, I can assure you all kinds of Jaws merchandise is available from <laughs> a lot of retail outlets, <laughs> as I've found out over the last few years of birthdays. So moving swiftly on then, another tenuous connection. Um, what's our next song going to be? Let's go with Books by the Teardrop Explodes. Okay, fantastic. I'll spin that up now. And then when we're back, we're going to talk more metaphors. For now, enjoy a little bit of vinyl. Here we go.
here on DS106 Radio. Welcome back. And I've just posted on the hashtag DS106 Radio that if you have any questions for Martin or want to ask him any difficult questions about how the songs relate to the metaphors, how the metaphors relate to EdTech, please do post them at the hashtag and we'll do our best to pick them up whilst we're on air. So, books. Okay, yeah. Jump in. How many listeners we got, by the way, man? Um, I think at least eight. Eight, wow, market yeah. saturation, here we come. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> first of all, I wanted to play that because it's Teardrop Explodes, and when I was growing up, I listened to a lot of Teardrop Explodes. Great band. Um, so this one relates to, uh, there's a section in the book which is about uh, just thinking about EdTech. It sort of starts off kind of more generally thinking about EdTech. Sorry, correction, we have 14 listeners. 14 so listeners, wow. Welcome to those six new <laughs> listeners we've gained Global in the last five market. <laughs> I'm like Malcolm Gladwell here. This is um, amazing on DS106 <laughs> Radio, where three listeners is a lot. Yeah, so uh, books, Tito Explodes. Um, so one of the things I talk about is the the way people often talk about higher education as being, it hasn't changed for 100 years, or what they call the industrial model of education, You know, and we're still stuck in the way we were teaching all these times ago. Um, people like Audrey Waters have done you know, really excellent analysis of this kind of persistent myth and you see it crop up a lot, and, and the analogy I make in the book is, it's a bit like saying book reading hasn't changed for a hundred years. You know, if you were to imagine someone reading Dickens a hundred years ago, it could look very similar to how they read now. You know, sitting sitting in front of a fireplace with a nice glass of wine, reading a paperback book. But that's kind of like or a hardback book, and that's kind of just a very superficial uh, similarity. And I think people say that you know, if you walked into a lecture hall from 100 years ago you would know exactly what was going on and stuff but that really belies the the massive changes that have happened in the system if you think about books you know um, the way amazon has changed the book selling industry the way self-publishing happens where all these different formats audio book kindle all those kind of things and so actually anyone who works in the book industry would never say that it hasn't changed in 100 years it's changed massively and the same is true of education i think that um you know, it's, it's changed out of all recognition in many ways, and the, the sort of the way we teach, the things we teach, the way we adapt to society, the, the people who go into higher education, and how we accommodate those. And so, I think it's just kind of a really lazy metaphor and example to say, oh, you know, higher education just hasn't changed in a hundred years. And, and I think by using the books analogy, I think you can sort of expose the the flaws of that argument. Hmm. I was just thinking, as you were saying, um, education has changed massively. One of the things I found useful about the book is that it gives ways of thinking about educational technology that aren't necessarily sort of fixed on this sort of ever faster progressing timeline. Because mm-hmm. I think the goalposts are moving all the time and things are moving very fast in educational technology and things are changing. And I think sometimes that gives you a sense of things not changing because you're never quite where you wish you would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think there's often a kind of rhetoric around, you know, get on the bus, loser, otherwise you're going to be left behind kind of thing. And, that, and that's used often, I think, to kind of promote fear amongst people to kind of adopt any technology uncritically. And I think using metaphors is a way to think about them in creatively and differently. Uh, our good friend Dave White called it a fun and robust read. Thank you, Dave. I owe you a drink. And I like to think a fun and robust read is a, a good example of a good description of what the book's about. 
Also describes my cooking, I like to think as well. <laughs> Fun and robust for sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, our listeners, who are all very interested in metaphors, are also really interested in the teardrop explodes. Yeah. Because Irvin's just um, tweeted saying he's just discovered the teardrop explodes. Oh man, you've got to listen to the teardrop explodes. Thanks to the metaphors podcast. Yeah, so, yeah. They're also here for the vinyl, not just for the metaphors. Oh, and if you ever get, if you track it down, there's a live version of Sleeping Gas where you can hear Julian Cope just go out of his mind at the end of it it's really good track that down well Anne-Marie Scott is completely shocked that Evan has just discovered um, Teardrop Explodes so <laughs> there is a lot happening at the hashtag here on DS106 Radio okay um, Martin the next song is this one's for you Maren it relates to a metaphor that you're referencing the book Man in a Suitcase okay by the police Coming up here, a little bit more vinyl, and then we're back with more metaphors. So stay with us here on DS106 Radio. I wish we had some bumpers for the show. This would have been the good one. kindly um offers of radio bumpers behind the scenes here um thank you so much for the offer um i don't think i have the technical know-how <laughs> well, i'm impressed we are on air at all so um we are gonna go and talk some more metaphors now so this is all about suitcases and all about suitcases i'm yeah. a huge fan of suitcases yeah. we've talked a lot about this chapter so tell our audience what our audience of 15 listeners 15 listeners we're very impressed you're here um tell us what it's all about yeah so there's a section in the book about 
edtech as an undiscipline. This is the kind of slightly navel-gazing uh, section of the book where I think about what it means for educational technology to be a discipline, or as Audie Walters called it, an undiscipline. Uh, and one of the things we think about that is the metaphor of it as a suitcase. So, because the idea is like, if it's a discipline, then there's this kind of uniform knowledge and those kind of things. And and actually part of the appeal of EdTech, I think, is that people come into it from different places and uh, bring different expertise to it. And so uh, in discussion with Maren whilst walking the dogs, um, Maren was telling me about one of her art projects, uh, which involved a suitcase with a model of the Eiffel Tower. Is that correct? Yeah, that's So funny. do you want to... Tell us about your suitcase artwork. <laughs> suitcase artwork, yeah. So this is uh, going back to art school years. Um, I made a suitcase which was called a traveling monument kit. And the idea was, and I actually made this uh, object as well as thinking about the concept. Um, I made a suitcase which you would be able to carry around and make a monument wherever you went. I was very interested in memory and memorization and permanence. Um, but I was also having a rather itinerant lifestyle at the time and traveled a lot and moved a lot. And so I felt that it would be helpful to take it with me. And I think when we talked about it, one of the sort of metaphors that worked well in this context was that we talked about what you'd bring with you if you came from an arts background or a psychology background or a maths background or an IT background or philosophy background or whatever background that you come from yeah. um, into the discipline. So whereas other disciplines, everyone's suitcase might look the same or be very similar in their tech, it's different. Everyone brings different things in their suitcase, but all those things are useful for their journey into a tech. Yeah, right. And also, I think, useful in terms of how, you know, the undiscipline or, you know, given what my day job is, I definitely think it's a discipline. It has been for 20 years, <laughs> but we're not going to argue that point. Um, you know, what that, what the, how that discipline has been shaped, because I think it borrows very richly from all the different theoretical perspectives and practical perspectives and also methods and methodologies um, and I think that's really appropriate given that, you know, it branches like educational technology is something that relates to all academic disciplines and deals with all types of learning across different stages of life. So I think it's really appropriate that it has such a rich tapestry of, of heritage. It's interdisciplinary. Right. It's the ultimate interdisciplinary disciplinary. That's right. <laughs> that's or undisciplined. No. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Um, well, if you want to find out more about this chapter on the suitcase, which is obviously my favorite one in the book, then please download the book for free um, from Athabasca University Press. And I think we're doing really well in the shameless self-promotion department well, for you. Yeah, yeah but um, tell us what the next song is and we'll play some more vinyl. So this one actually is a really good connection. It's called Rewild and there's a section on Rewild and Tech and it's by uh, Kelly Lee Owens, who's a Welsh artist, so... Ticks all the boxes. Ticks all the boxes, right. So coming to you live from um, my desk here in Cardiff, this is the next tune. And just to clarify, it is a tune that we have on vinyl, but not playing off vinyl, because we're not yet at the Jim Groom level of vinyl casting here on DS106 Radio.
with that, we are back on air here on DS106 Radio. And before we jump back in and talk about mm-hmm. rewilding, I just want to give a big shout out to all our listeners out there. It's amazing to see so many people joining in on the hashtag DS106 Radio um, and also sharing jokes and anecdotes. And Deborah, um, even though you might not be on the listener map, um, we're really thrilled that you've joined us um, and listening here with us so thank you very much for joining us and to everyone else listening out there thank you yeah. what's the uh, record for ds106 radio listeners i don't know but Are there's a few gonna... people yeah. listen uh, listening who might know that um but certainly it is the best listen to show that i've ever made so um yeah perhaps we're gonna break it in the way that tories break the economy <laughs> <laughs> Yep, if you're here in the UK, it is a slightly bleak day um, if you want to eat or heat your home. Yeah. But um, hey, you have but metaphors. The book is to free. The book, the book is, is free. free. That's right. <laughs> the book is free and metaphors will keep us warm. That's right. So tell us more about rewilding. So rewilding. Um, this one, that's quite a good shout out to Jim Groom and Brian Lamb in this one, I think. So um, rewilding, as mentioned, we know, is the kind of restoring an ecosystem that's that's kind of overmanaged by introducing um older aspects kind of wild aspects and that can be bottom up kind of introducing plants that have been uh, taken out of that environment or uh, sort of higher up the food chain introducing i think the, you know, the famous example is wolves in uh, yellowstone park and the idea is to try and make that um that environment richer and at least what they call a trophic cascade um I'm probably getting slightly out of my depth here in terms of knowledge, but that kind of means that once you introduce one thing, it has an effect on many other things in the ecosystem. And I think there's a kind of quite a nice analogy here for how we run ed tech in higher ed institutions. You know, we kind of, it started off very kind of mixed and everyone doing whatever they wanted. It was kind of a bit of the Wild West or whatever, you know. Uh, I think uh, Brian's term was fast, cheap and out of control. And it's kind of, just do what you want because... And I think it was it was inevitable that we'd have a kind of rationalisation of that process and we'd have things like the VLE and scaling up and introducing staff development programmes. But then there's a danger that that becomes the only way we do things. And I think there's a, we've got to a stage now where the ed tech environment within many higher uh, institutions is much like these kind of very managed ecosystems where there's not much variety in the ecosystem. And so I think we need to think about ways we can reintroduce that that, those kind of more wild elements, I think, have a kind of richer ecosystem. So maybe things like splot, you know, that, that would be a good example. Oh, um, in that case, we have to give a shout out to Alan Levine. Alan because Levine. That, that is where all the splots come from. Rewilder in chief. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And a super inspirational piece of work as well. Um, so we have some pieces of news here from Twitter as well as a listener question. Okay, boom, boom, so, boom. Yeah, absolutely. Metaphor hotline. <laughs> I, I, it is a hotline, um, although a Jaws one. Okay. So I'm going to read out the question, you get a minute to think, and then we have an exciting piece of news here on the listener record from Anne Marie. Okay. Okay, so the question for you is from Kerry. Okay, hi, Kerry. Um, given the cover of his book, which Jaws character does Martin Weller most identify okay, with? Okay, cool. You've got to choose from Quint, Brody, Hooper, the shark, or the boat. <laughs> nice. So you get a moment to think about this and be smart. Um, Anne-Marie says, 
that the around 25 listeners was their Sunday special record on Diaz 106. 25, um, okay, go out into the streets, find you people. You have got to couple more, quickly ring anyone <laughs> related to. We're now at 18. So seven more people need to join this broadcast over the next half an hour. But for those of you who are here, you are about to find out which Jaws character Martin Weller most identifies with. Well, that's so... a good question, Carrie, because in, in the chapter, <laughs> I say each of those three people represent aspects of their text. So oh. Brody, the kind of family man, uh, represents the learners. Hooper represents academics. And Quint represents um, third-party vendors, um, the kind of aggressive technology companies. So I think in that, I'd have to go with Hooper as the kind of academic. But I think um, I'm probably more more Brody, I think. Uh, and, and for my birthday, Marin had the pleasure of going along to see The Shark is Not Broken, a play about those three characters uh, <laughs> filming the film. They enjoyed it very much. I did. <laughs> I actually did really enjoy it, although I'm not as big a fan of this um, film as you are. But and that, that really plays in Toronto. Now. Anyone in Toronto, go and see The Shark is Broken. Great play. That The play was amazing. Yeah. It came from the Edinburgh Fringe to London where we yeah, saw it. Yeah, that's right. yeah, it was absolutely awesome. So you get vinyl metaphors and jaws trivia in one irresistible package tonight um okay so thank you very much for sending in a question um i think there will be some comments on that on the hashtag as well at ds106 radio but now we're going to go back to our next choice okay well, shall so... we go for digital witness by st vincent okay that's coming right up for you here on DS106 Radio, thank you for joining us. We're so thrilled to have you. Good to your seats.
sure I approve of the song that says I stopped sleeping if I understood that correctly <laughs> which is not something that I would advocate for um, but before we um, jump in and talk about the tenuous connection between the metaphor, the mm-hmm. song and ed tech um, I just wanted to give a big shout out to a lot of people who've been joining us um, listening here on DS106 Radio and we now have 23 listeners. Um, wow. It is absolutely phenomenal. It's off the charts. Off the charts. <laughs> it is absolutely awesome. And I just wanted to reflect a little bit um, on, you know, why we're doing this radio show. Because I think it's it's quite strange, isn't it, to publish a book. It's a PDF. It gets out online. And then it's kind of, you know, you and boom, it's there, but it, no, nothing really happens. Yeah. And so I think it's great that people have come out and joined us and listening today and just sharing the moment. Yeah, when you, you don't really get to have a big launch party, you know, it's like it's a, it's a strange feeling of anticlimax. I was writing this book in 2020, yeah, 2020 yeah. early 2020, yeah. It's like, and so and I handed it over a year ago and it's had a few tweaks and then, so it's kind of, it's been a long process, you know, and it comes out, it's a bit, oh, it's out now, thanks, anyway. On to the next meeting kind of thing, and you kind of don't do anything about it, so it's nice to be able to do this and with some of our pals, and I think it reminds me a bit of the uh, the pandemic days when we are all on DS106 radio, connecting. Yeah, absolutely, and I want to give a big shout-out to... Um, the people behind the Sunday special radio show, um, Anne-Marie and Tannis, who I think are both listening to the show. So lots of love um, over to you both in British Columbia. And I think um, Brian is also listening. And loads of other people have been jumping on the airwaves and saying hello here on the DS106 hashtag. It's fantastic to um, get a little bit of that spirit going because it is a big achievement. You know, I know this is your sixth book, mm-hmm. um, so you're not new to the book writing game mm-hmm. as some of the other ones um, here in the room are, <laughs> i.e. me. Um, but it is a big achievement and it shouldn't be an anticlimax to, to do something, even six if it is book, your sixth one. Six yacht. Yeah. <laughs> Fleet of yachts now I have. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we've even got origami <laughs> paper boats. <laughs> Anyways, um, I like um, there's a few people joining in on the hashtag and, and reflecting on the things we said as well. Teresa was saying, a book is free, metaphors will keep us warm, is her favourite quotes from tonight's show. <laughs> we might have so, to, yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, but there's also a lot of people joining us um, from elsewhere in the world, um, including um, West Coast of Canada. So hello, Marianne. Thank you for joining us. And I think um, Daniel's been listening as well. And yeah, Teresa, Kerry, hello to you all. Thank you for joining us. But back to the tenuous connection between the tune, the metaphor and EdTech. So okay. we've been listening to Digital Witness by St. Vincent. I mean, yeah, first of all, you don't need any excuse about St. Vincent. <laughs> Just that's fine. Just play St. Vincent as much as we want. Um this one relates to a chapter called Digital Mudlarking, just because it has digital in the title, really. That's about as far as it goes. Um, but it, I, I like this chapter. So um, mudlarking, I think, is quite a British term, isn't it? So I um, think so. Explain yeah, so, what so, it is. So, so mudlarks, particularly the second one I'm going to mention, Dickens. So around sort of Dickensian times, you know, uh, in London, were kind of like poor kids who would hang around the Thames and make their living trying to find bits of treasure or stuff to kind of sell and um, that from the, the sort of muddy side of the Thames 
uh, and it's sort of had a revival in recent years with people using metal detectors and stuff and there's a really good book about a kind of a, a, a modern mud lark um, and I thought this was a kind of a night this again comes into the ed tech as undisciplined section a way to think about educational technology in that um, often we have these kind of big waves of technology that come in and part of the reason mudlarks um, exist by the terms is because it's a tidal river and I think you can think of that as these kind of like waves of technology that come in and then go out again and our job as educational technologists is to go down and sort of find amongst all, all the rubbish and all the mud all the kind of hype and rhetoric the kind of real nuggets of good knowledge and keep those and preserve them so I think you might think of MOOCs as a good example you know it's like MOOCs came in and there was a lot of rubbish talked about MOOCs now but there was also some good solid research that was done in that time about you know um, how people make social connections good use of forums you know course production those kind of things and I think our role as educational technologists is to go around and sort of dig out the, these nuggets of knowledge if you like and preserve them ready for the next wave that comes in yeah, I, I, this is one of my favorite ones. Um, I like the um, I like the connection with the natural environment and mm -hmm. landscapes and the world in general. And I know that there are some aspects of the metaphors in the book where you're very aware that you know it can't be used uncritically, mm -hmm. and there are some difficult um, sort of quick parallels that could be drawn with certain metaphors. Yeah. And I know that's something you explore in the book. Do you want to go into that at all, or? Um, give an example of that. Yeah, I sort of give a general warning about the use of any metaphors from nature. I think I'm always aware of. So, like, I, we did the rewilding one, and I think it's one again a similar thing. I think whenever people make reference to nature, you know, you should have some klaxons going off because people use like it's natural to mean that it's kind of inevitable and you should you can't do anything about it. And people have used it for like, for all sorts of horrible reasons. You know, kind of. Um, mm. social Darwinism, you know, misogyny, all those kind of things. So I think you should always be wary of any metaphor that's drawn from nature. So although I do sort of make mention of the kind of ecosystems and later on I talk about uh, resilience uh, in ecosystems in another chapter, I think one, you know, approach with caution, I think, in any metaphor that pulls on nature, I think. Yeah, no, that's one of the things I really appreciate it um, about, you know, particularly the introduction where you talk a bit about thinking of with metaphors and, and why that's a mm -hmm. useful thing and maybe maybe after the next song or maybe even now we can jump into that a little bit more because I know that's something you worked on with Brian but I think the criticality that thinking with metaphors can introduce mm -hmm. I think I really appreciate it yeah. because the sort of the artist in me was immediately drawn to oh it's a metaphor I love metaphors yeah. let's have, have a play but then there's actually some really thoughtful sort of criticism and, and nuanced argument around, you know, where are the dangers and what to look out for when you see other people use metaphors, which is very prevalent, particularly in That's edtech right. marketing yeah. and press releases. So, I mean, there's some psychology research where uh, they present people with two different metaphors. For example, um, crime is a monster or uh, crime is a disease. And when you present it like that, people come up with different solutions based on the metaphor they've presented about how to deal with crime. And I think that's a good example of how using metaphor shapes the solution and so often you will see in the media or tech companies or politicians they will talk in metaphorical terms and you don't often realize you're being sold a metaphor and then when they come up with their solution that seems like the obvious choice it's like oh mm -hmm. so if you accept that you know ed tech is broken or if you accept that education is broken then it needs a solution and then oh look 
here's my solution that's in my back pocket. So I think part of the reason for the book is to give people some kind of defence mechanism about metaphors, I think. Mm. Before we go on, I just want to say small shout-out to Anne-Marie. In the Digital Mudlarking book, I mentioned my mum, who's a Cockney, who used to sort of talk about going down to the Thames when she was young. <laughs> and you may know, you may not know this, Anne-Marie, but she used to make trousers for the kinks. So just letting me know that. <laughs> oh, wow, that's an in-joke in an in-joke. Um, oh. For those of you who are not regular listeners of the Sunday Special, I'm sure Anne-Marie will explain um, on the DS106 hashtag. Um, but before we go on to the next tune, I just want to give a shout out to everyone who on the hashtag has joined us in making metaphors. So I think Teresa started the trend making a metaphor around multitasking. Anne-Marie sent us a photo of her meze of EdTech nice. lunch, like which was a metaphor. And then Carrie has topped it all off by giving you a GIF metaphor, <laughs> um, which has a Jaws reference in it as well. Um, but to top it all off, we now have 24 listeners. So wow. who is to say vinyl and metaphor is not fun? Um, okay, before we get carried away here and um, talk any more about your mum and the kinks and mm-hmm. the trousers, what is our next tune? Shall we go for a bleak one that nobody would like but me, which is Orpheus by David Sylvian? Okay. Um, you definitely have to have some bleak tunes, <laughs> so here we go. This is the bleak tune on DS106 Radio. Stay tuned for more Metaphor Chat. Standing firm on this stony ground The wind blows hard, pulls these clothes around I harbor all the same worries as most The temptations to leave or to give up the ghost I wrestle with an outlook on life That shifts between darkness and shadow like I struggle Fear that they'll hear But Orpheus sleeps on his back Still dead to the world Sunlight falls My wings open wide There's a beauty here I cannot deny Bottles that tumble And crash on the stairs Are just so many people I knew never cared down below on the wreck of the ship Are a stronghold of pleasures I couldn't regret But the baggage is swallowed up by the tide As Orpheus keeps to his promise And stays by my side Tell me I'm still Never stop Believe me When this joke is tired of laughing I will hear The promise of my office soon 
Okay, we're not going to play you all of the song because it's a very mm. long song. I know. Um, but you have enough bleakness when you're off air. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to stick with it um, not being a full five minutes song or six and a half minutes, actually. Anyways, um, how does the song relate to EdTech and metaphors? Well, even more tenuously than the other. Okay. So there's Get a ready. chapter about Cellini's Perseus statue, Perseus, Orpheus, characters from Greek, Greek mythology. So that's the link there. Is that good enough? <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about, about the chapter. Okay, so the, the chapter <laughs> is very interesting and not as bleak as the, uh, as the song. So um, Cellini's Perseus, if you don't know, is uh, in Florence and it shows uh, Perseus uh, beheading the Medusa and it's a fantastic piece of art um, and I learned about it when I was doing an art history uh, masters uh, and then I was in Florence and I'd given a, a keynote about EdTech this was when you see I go to places and give keynotes and then I was walking around and I wanted to go and see this statue um, and I obviously made the connection You're like it's obvious why haven't people made the connection between uh, Perseus uh, Medusa and EdTech you know um, and Cellini was, I think we'd call him something of a character. Um, and he developed this new way of casting in bronze. And he gives an account of how he, he cast that statue. And it's a real kind of like life-giving event. You know, so much like Frankenstein sort of arising you know, through lightning and stuff. And he, he's got a fever when he does it, um, Cellini and stuff. And, and it's a really fantastic account. But it, I think it's also interesting because what it represents is that the way he used that. It was, it was a new technology he developed to cast that, that statue. And it kind of allowed them to kind of look at these very kind of realistic um, depictions. And the, and the blood that drips from uh, Medusa's head is kind of like really graphic. And there's whole academic articles about Medusa's blood and stuff. It's, like, so it, it's brilliant. But... Um, it's also Medusa has long been a kind of symbol of, of, of misogyny. I think you know um, you may remember when um, I think was it Hillary Clinton was referred to as a, as a nasty woman, and then and there's Medusa was the original nasty woman. Someone wrote a, a piece. It's not in a, and I think what that represents is how new technology, even though it comes with all these possibilities, is often used to reinforce existing power structures and hierarchies. Um, and I think that I think Selene's um, Persis, even though it's an amazing piece of work, does that in many ways. It kind of reinforces those that kind of misogyny, and and there is a, a an argument that it was meant to be a kind of direct put down of some of the uh, the powerful women that are rising in Italy at the time. Well, I love this. Um, I love this metaphor, and I love this chapter because I think it's a really interesting parallel. Um, particularly, you know, I trained as a sculptor and mm -hmm. I know how to cast things and it's absolutely um, really powerful technologies that, that replicate what's already there. Um, so, yeah, this one right up my street. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things I wanted to come back to, particularly for those of you who haven't discovered um, the book yet or downloaded the free PDF, um, is... The artwork that's in the book, because mm -hmm. I feel that this is a less tenuous jump from sculpture to artwork. 
Um, and I know in the first chapter, or is it the second chapter? Second chapter. Second chapter there is a lot of art um, mm-hmm. by the amazing Brian Mathers, yeah. who we're giving a big shout out to. And I know he's created work for you and with you before. But tell us a little bit about um, your collaboration with Brian and, and what is that about? Yeah, so um, in the book, the first chapter is sort of like an introduction to metaphors and gives some of that kind of um, sort of foundational research about metaphorical thinking, people like Lackoff and Johnson. And then in the second chapter, I wanted to kind of give an example of how metaphors are used to help us think. Um, and I've been lucky enough to work with Brian. Um, so I'm the director of the Open degree at the Open University, which is our multidisciplinary degree. So students can combine all these different modules and make their own pathways, like over 250 different modules they can combine. Quick plug for the Open degree, it's amazing. Um, and Brian had worked this for kind of different images to represent that. And I thought that I didn't want to kind of sort of jump straight into the ed tech part of the book. So I thought it was kind of a good example of something that people could understand, but not get too dragged into the detail because I wanted, them, I wanted people to kind of think about the metaphor aspect, if you like. So I've got those images in there, the kind of visual metaphors. So one of them, for example, is the pick-and-mix sweet shop. You know, the idea is you, you make up your own container of sweets by picking all the different sweets you like and put them into one container. And that's much like you're making up your own degree. But I think what's also interesting is when we had all these metaphors from Brian in our uh, team at the Open University, um, some people had reservations about some of them, so someone didn't like the pick and mix metaphor because you know it seems a bit kind of unstructured, you know, and it's not. Whereas it's much more kind of intentional when you're creating your learning pathway and those kind of things. So I think it was a kind of good way to explore um, the kind of positive and negative aspects of, of every metaphor you have, and and they look great in the book as well. I really like the, the way they come out. So. Mm, yeah, amazing work, and always fantastic to see Brian's visual thoughts alongside mm-hmm. kind of the the text and makes it really accessible from the beginning yeah so you know my previous book 25 years of ed tech the brian did the cover which many of you may know the kind of x-ray specs one and he did a remix of that and we wanted a kind of similarly striking i think social media friendly image of this and i think the jaws shark does that and brian's worked with us on the go gm project where we have the penguins i think that kind of visual identity is really important you know, mm. and he does that work really well Okay, so we have about 15 minutes left on the show okay. um, and we'll try and make the recording of the show available afterwards for those of you who have to dip in and out. Um, obviously, you'll be wanting to re-listen to this um, over and over and over again. Um, but tell us, what is the next tune? Shall we go for something less bleak? Let's go for DJ by David Barry. Okay, fantastic. That's coming up next. And then hopefully we have time for one more before we play out with some more amazing tunes. So thank you for joining us here on DS106 Radio. We'll be right back. Just 
here on DS106 Radio. So you have two more metaphors coming up and then we're going to play you out with our final tune. Um, so this was DJ by David Bowie. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a section in the book on open practice, digital scholarship and metaphors relating to that. One of those is around music metaphors. So um, edgy punk gets a mention, obviously. Uh, and so does the educator as DJ. And there have been a few takes on this. Um, our good friend Scott Leslie, uh, he came to the Open University a few years ago and he did a really good talk on the educator as DJ. He was talking about how with new resources available, open resources, you know, it wasn't just the, the case of like standing up and talking, but you could think of yourself as a, as a DJ doing things like searching, sampling, sequencing, recording, and all those sorts of things that a DJ might do. Um, and uh, Terry Green, another good uh, friend of everyone here, I'm sure, talked about how um, there was kind of the four elements of hip hop culture had uh, were an analogy for open education as well. Talks about uh, lyricism, turntablism, breakdancing, and graffiti, and those kind of things. And I think kind of he makes an analogy to um, open education. Um, and I had a uh, DJ metaphor as well in that. Um, People were saying, why do we need human educators when all these resources are just available? You can just teach yourself this kind of autodidact uh, argument. Um, and I think that's in some ways very similar to why do we listen to the radio still? And actually radio listening has really gone up a lot. Hence people listening. <laughs> We've got 24 listeners, you know, so crazy numbers. But but a lot of people thought, you know, radio would die when the internet came along. And actually it didn't at all. Numbers increased. And part of that's because I think people like listening to other people talk, not just listening to music. So they might play music, but they want that kind of human connection in between it and that expertise of selecting songs and and, and connecting with people. And I think that's the same for what the educator does, you know, in terms of giving people resources, not just like, here's an article, go away and read it, but they interpret it and, and bring it to life and, and provide that kind of connection. So I think that's a similar sort of role there. I also give a slight warning i think about music metaphors and i think they're a bit sometimes i think the metaphor overpowers its use so i think when we were all excited about the edgy punk metaphor i think it actually turned a lot of people off and it became middle-aged white men sort of reliving their youth about hey yeah punk was great wasn't it kind of thing <laughs> and if you weren't into punk that was just kind of really off-putting even though there were some interesting things that were being said about that kind of diy philosophy so i think it's a good example of when the metaphor you need to be kind of careful about it. I think kind of override the message you're trying to get across. And I agree with that. I think it, it can be, it can work really well. And I know mm -hmm. that there's quite a few people in the edtech community, particularly on radio, who are really, um, you know, who are really creative with the medium and who, who use that a lot to bring, like, to do open mics or mm -hmm. to have like poetry slams or you know, like yeah. more creative outlets. That really help share practice and also connect people but it can also be really excluding in, in other ways Absolutely. so it is really hard um talking of um people remixing and responding to the book um i know that people have started blogging about it um mm -hmm. and also sharing their views so do you want to give any shout outs to any early blog posts that have come in yeah dave cormier just did an excellent blog post today but well, he's he sort of riffing off something else about the kind of um learning styles myth but um, links it to the book as well and he calls the book super cool if Dave, if Dave Cormier calls the book super cool <laughs> you're obliged to read it surely you know. oh, 
part we should put that on the cover yeah. as a little sticker so <laughs> i will do that okay um we are slowly running out of time so we are going to move on to our next tune now and then we have our final metaphor connection so what's up next for us we're gonna go for rapture by blondie okay well enjoy blondie coming up now and then we're in for our final bit of chat
shoe shot Plus a man from Mars Stop eating cars and eating bars And now he only eats guitars Yeah! on metaphors and then we're going to wrap up the show so Martin this is your last chance to explain the tenuous connection between Rapture by Blondie Ed Tag and metaphors Go. actually this one's not too bad okay. connection wise so there's a section in the Ed Tech criticism part of the book uh, called the Ed Tech Rapture okay um, and I think it's part of that it looks at that language that people often use around educational technology which is wrapped up in kind of quite a apocalyptic view of the world and there's some big change coming and unless you sign up for it unless you sign up and believe you know you won't be part of the saved people and i think it's quite, it's quite interesting you know because we, raptures occur in you know or apocalypse versions that occur in all, all religions but also in a lot of um, modern mythology and popular cultures we've got like the avengers you know hunger games all those kind of things it's like you know there's some big catastrophe coming and you need to do something to be saved and often you see kind of ed tech pictures like this you know like ai is going to replace all teachers there's going to be no more universities matter how many times have we heard that it's the death of universities kind of thing um the metaverse is coming yeah the metaverse is coming for god's sake (laughs) (laughs) and all those kind of things and i think and it's always sort of pitched as either you get on board or, or you're dead kind of effectively and I think that's a very different pitch from what lots of other people do with technology. So actually, this one's quite useful. You can use this to help students do X or Y, you know, like, which is kind of much more modest a pitch. And I just think it's always worth thinking that if you're listening to some kind of or reading some kind of ed tech piece, whether you're getting a rapture pitch or, or a useful pitch. I think that those are kind of quite different things. Yeah, I, I can really empathise with this, particularly... No, I think you were, were you blogging about, um, you know, how it's been 10 years since the year of the MOOC and, mm-hmm. and all that hype. Um, so, you know, it seems to me like we're still here. Yeah, we're, we're going to be, what is it, have 10 global providers by now. So, yeah. guess what? Indeed. <laughs> that, hasn't, that hasn't happened. It hasn't happened yet, no. And quite a lot of other stuff has happened that we didn't expect mm. um, in the intervening decade. So... What do you hope people will take away from the book, just to wrap up? First of all, you know, I think uh, if I haven't seen Jaws, they'll go away and watch Jaws. <laughs> Obviously. That's really important. <laughs> yeah, or make Jaws gifts. That's also <laughs> That's an option. Also, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think just an appreciation of the use of metaphors, either for fun, you know, I think often in the tech world, I think particularly during the pandemic, it all became a bit bleak and a bit, you know, all hands to the pump and stuff and I think people are very creative about the use of educational technology and I think metaphors allow you to think creatively and playfully and you know I think it's quite fun you know 
it's not illegal to have fun, so it's okay to have fun around EdTech, you know, it's like, and things of some of that, and maybe go away and think around having workshops that are based around metaphors, you know, where people get to explore stuff and do, do fun things. But also uh, just some appreciation of how metaphors are used to kind of shape solutions, because I'm slightly being wary of that, I think, you know, being ready for the antidote for that. And I think also just perhaps exploring how metaphors can help people understand technology and its potential uses and uh, implications. Mm. Okay. But but mainly the jaws. Mainly the jaws, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I was going to just say one thing um, that I really love about the, the physical um, artwork is that Brian Mothers had a bit of fun on the cover as well, mm-hmm. um, because as well as the, the shark and the boat and the jaws reference, he um he named the the boat um and whenever I look at that it makes me smile <laughs> and I kind of think Brian left his own little joke yeah. about the title of the book on the cover um which was which is I think right in the spirit of the yeah, book yeah very much yeah. okay so before we play you out with one last song um a big thank you from me um to Martin for coming on air and sharing with us all um the release of what is no doubt going to be a seminal work of EdTech. <laughs> I expect so, yeah. <laughs> and I Thanks. think we both want to say thank you to all of our listeners who've joined us online and yeah, on Twitter on the great. hashtag at DSY6Radio. Really good fun. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, if you want to know more about Metaphors, we hope by now you know where to get the book and um, that you will give it a good read. Um, it's free to download, so do make use of all the open access goodness that's available. And now, are you going to introduce our last song for the show? Yeah, actually, this song is called Wildwood by Paul Weller, um, but I'd replaced it with Rewild to be the connection to the uh, Rewilding chapter, but he's got a good surname, so we'll go with this one straight at the end. <laughs> all right, this one is to play you out, and thank you all for joining us here on DS106 Radio.
fly by And the traffic's blue Just where you're blowing Get into where you should be going Day by day Your world fades away Waiting to feel all the dreams that say Golden rain will bring you riches All the good things you deserve now And I say I'm being forever trying You're gonna find your way out Off a wild, wild wood You're gonna find your way out of the wild world.